Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Welcome back to... We have time now. I thought we were going to try to say that in second. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, for a Hi. second I was like, does you want to do like a we have <laughs> Like each one of us we takes one word. Point this out in advance next time. <laughs> We haven't even started sipping on uh, these wines. By the way. By the way. We are sipping on wine. A classic us. Yeah. This is just actually this is part of the podcast format now. It kind of is. Honestly, (laughs) I was thinking about whether we should change the description to like two girls drink and talk (laughs) about art. Maybe because that's actually It's a little more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're drinking some nice clearance rack wine, which is Uh, a staple of our local. Yeah. Oh. Okay, this week, I'm very excited about what we're talking about. Um, but first, let's check in. This is important as yes. a practice. Valen, how are you doing today? I'm good. I mean, I oh, I feel like every time we check in when we do this, I'm always good because I feel like it puts me in such a good mood to be, like, recording. <laughs> yeah. um, in general, I've been, like, pretty tired, TBH, ever since. Okay, update for everyone who's listened to the first episode, which you're the real ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that you know that I was planning a trip to New York. Well, I went to New York. I just came back, like, on Sunday. And so just, like, ever since I got back, like, A, I went out the night before the flight, and the flight was in the morning. So I was exhausted that day. And then, like, I just had to jump right back into, like, so many, th- like, work and projects and stuff like that. Yeah, you've been going this week. So I've been, like, tired. Yeah. Like, I've felt, like, every day has felt, like, busy. But it's just because everything's happening at once. Mm-hmm. In New York, it was really fun. I got to see my friends, but I also got to direct this music video, which was really cool. Heck and by yeah. the time this episode comes out, it will be out. Go <gasps> watch Fine by Stella Cole and Emma Scottson. It's on YouTube. But yeah, that was really fun. But working on that and then also working on web series and then also like the class, finishing up my classes this week and then and editing also editing this podcast yeah. so just everything happened at once and because i was gone i wasn't able to like pre-plan or like yeah get to things ahead of time so i've just been like tired but today was fine i read letters to a young poet for the second time which is what we're talking about today Woo! And that put me in a good mood too because it's very good i felt yeah. very inspired mm. what about Great. you Maggie? I, well, okay, I came home right before we started recording tonight and <laughs> vented to Valen for quite a while because work has been bad energy recently. And yeah, it's been, it's been a not great week for me, honestly, but I'm in a similar place where like as soon as we start talking and honestly just coming home and talking to you and Zeke always puts me in a much better mood than I was before. So I'm grateful for that. Um, to place us in time the solar power episode got released today Mm -hmm. and so I listened to it last night before we released it and it's interesting like the things that have remained true and the things that have changed since we recorded that episode like what two months ago it's been a while um and so I I am having a real week of what I talked about in that episode of like just needing patience to sit with your feelings Mm. for a little bit and it's it's been hard this week because I don't like feeling frustrated or sad or um, any of those emotions. But, you know, they're a crucial part of human existence, I guess. So, I don't know. I'm okay. I'm okay. It's been a bad week, but I'm at the end of it and I get to do something I love tonight. 
Yeah. And talk about Letters to a Young Poet, which and is an amazing book. Smile and drink wine and mm-hmm. forget about the fact that it's snow today. It's snow today. Winter is here, baby. And winter right is. Release the solar power episode. I know. The universe said, and here's the <laughs> And the seasons change and time yeah. passes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really sad. Um, but then reading Letters to a Young Poet today, I was like, I feel like it's right that I read this first day it snowed because i feel like i needed to read this Mm. as we enter the season what was it about he talks so much about like just like embracing solitude and sadness Mm. and i feel like yeah (laughs) talks about embracing metaphorical winter but i feel like you can apply that to literal winter literal winter metaphorical winter also something that we both noticed read okay first of all to say it for realsies, we're talking about Letters to a Young Poet by Rainer Maria Rilke, who is a German poet from the early 20th century. And this book is not his poetry. He is writing letters to someone else. Who is? Who is a young you poet. you might have guessed. <laughs> a young poet. And it's funny because we say this as if Rilke is like 60-something when this is happening. No, Rilke is in his like mid-20s. That's insane. I know. And he's writing to a 19-year-old. So it's like a mid-20-something writing to a 19-year-old about life advice. And we're working off the translation by Anita Barrows and Joanna Macy. might sound like oh my god we're listening to this early 1900s poet thing like that's so you went from lord to this but it's like no no he is lord you don't understand listen Listen. first of all read this book yeah it takes like an hour to read if you're in chicago literally text me i will give you this book because i want everyone to read it both of us have reread it this week and have found quotes that we love. So we thought it'd be a good jumping off point to just choose one that we feel really strongly about. So something that really stuck out to me is he says, almost everything that matters is hard and everything matters. And I think, I don't know, that's like kind of how I feel (laughs) on a day-to-day basis. Like it's such a adolescent thing to think just the smallest and most mundane things carry so much significance and I think a lot of the time my instinct is to like push back against that and be like in the long run kind of nothing matters in a really beautiful way there's nothing condescending about the way that Rilke is trying to advise this young person it's a huge acknowledgement that like having your whole life ahead of you is daunting and scary and there's a lot of pressure to feel like you're doing it the right thing the right way Especially if you think what you're doing is significant, which both of them really, really do. Like, Roka talks about how he he couldn't go on living without writing. So, like, I don't know. I love how this quote, everything that matters is hard and everything matters. Just grant significance to the smallest things in life and also the highest of pursuits and doesn't take any of it for granted and doesn't take any of the work that it takes to pursue those things for granted and then the way he follows it up with and it's okay to find it hard and it's okay to be sad about it and it's okay to like want to cut yourself off from society and live by yourself because it's exhausting being alive and being young and caring about things there's a point later and I don't have the exact quote but where he's like if something's difficult then that means you should do it yeah I just really love in general 
how Rika talks about like like you need to go through the struggle you need to go through things that are difficult because that is just life and like by virtue of it just being your life it's valid and like important and matters it reminds me of like welcome to sadness like yeah like the temperature is unbearable until you face it like you just have to feel it yeah you just have to go through it honestly i think it's recently that my perspective around this idea has really changed because i think both welcome to sadness and almost everything that matters is hard and everything matters those two ideas previously would have led me to be like and so it's fine that you feel sad you should feel fine about being sad and I've learned that that's like not an easy concept for me and it's something I thought I was really good at but I it turns out <laughs> I I'm not because I think there's a big difference for between being like I'm sad but it's fine and like I'm sad period and letting yourself like be sad and like not be comfortable being sad and fixing the sadness before you've let yourself sit with it is I think the idea that I used to jump to no 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 really stew in that sadness like let it seep through your entire body because it's not gonna do its function as an emotion that gives you information unless you do I love how you said there's I am sad period Mm -hmm. and I'm sad but it's fine period like I am sad period is where you just need to sit in it like you just start feeling it yeah I feel like I also live a lot in like I am sad but it's fine because something I've noticed about myself which you know noticing is not the same thing as actively working on it (laughs) 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 it's a funny thing that I've discovered about myself (laughs) oh but what and it's like a chasm in between those two things you know yeah it's like it's like literally a a mountain climb yeah from one to the other but one thing I've noticed is that like I think I've accepted when I feel sad. I don't. What I consider, quote unquote, self-care when I'm sad is really just dissociating, I think. Mm. Like, I'm not being like, I'm sad. Let me sit in it. I'm being like, I'm sad. Ah, I want to forget me, about it. Let me get away from it. Yeah. And I think for a long time, I convinced myself that's that's just like, I'm sad. So I'm going to let myself do these things. And not that there's anything wrong with like, eating comfort food when you're sad or watching no. tv when you're sad or getting high when you're sad there's nothing wrong with that but i've noticed that like when i do it sometimes the intention behind it isn't actually like let me sit in this it's let me just clock out of being present in my life for, yeah like, a couple hours yeah oh my god um, totally i've just noticed that difference and i'm still have trouble noticing it in the moment yeah. It's usually after where I'm like, whoa, like I really just was like checked out from everything for like a while. Yeah. So it's hard. I get it. There's a difference between like I am sad and I am sad, but it's fine. I'm just gonna fucking watch a bunch of episodes of this thing and not think about anything and it's gonna be fine. Yeah. I'm not actually processing any emotions. No. I'm not actually like actually listening to my body and what it's telling me. Yeah, because it's all information, right? And so that's why it's a for me that's why I'm feeling like I I want to try to sit in it more because like clearly something's wrong and I'm reacting to something being wrong if I'm sad right yeah and if I do that thing where I like binge watch normal people which I did do this week instead of sitting in sadness then it's like that feeling will get misplaced somewhere Mm -hmm. you know like it won't be about what it's actually about you know it's just 
being circumvented in a way that I think is ultimately not making use of the information of being sad. I'm, I avoid. Yeah. Because yeah. it's uncomfortable. Yeah, of course I it's uncomfortable. Away. I think yeah. I'm running towards, I'm actually running miles away. Yeah. And mm. I'm still trying to process what is running towards it, like. I know. And ugh, I've been thinking a lot about how, like, I haven't journaled in forever. I was just thinking that. I, I have the hardest time doing it these days. I haven't days. journaled since we moved at all. Wow. And we just had this major transition and I haven't journaled about it. Yeah. I haven't really journaled. I didn't really journal the summer. I journaled like a couple of days. It was like I haven't, which is interesting of me from if I take myself out of me and look mm-hmm. at myself, I'm like, hmm, interesting that you don't <laughs> want to record any of this. That's funny of you. Funny. At this pivotal so moment funny. of so your comedic. life, you feel the least drawn to recording it. Are you avoiding something, Melon? <laughs> I feel like you're running away right now. Yeah. Uh. So I feel like I need to, I need to at least try journaling again. Just give it a chance one day, and no pressure. Just like write what I'm feeling and be like, like sit with myself. I feel like I haven't sat really sat with myself in a long time. Yeah, I am also having a hard time journaling, and whenever I do, it comes off as like really, really bad poetry. Like it's just like sentence fragments and like metaphor and like all of that. All of that is circumventing what I'm actually trying to say right like I'm having a hard time being very upfront and literal and blunt about what I'm feeling and I think that's we talk a lot about like mind body Mm -hmm. and like where we feel things if it's like a brain thing or it's a body thing like this week in particular and on Tuesday in particular I've been so like body sad but haven't been able to put words as to like why like I feel like in in reaction to really mundane things my response feels like disproportionate Mm. and I think journaling would probably help because it would force me to like put some words to what I'm feeling I feel like admitting negative feelings to me I don't when I say I feel embarrassed it's like I'm not embarrassed to be vulnerable I'm embarrassed that like I'm not happy like I totally get that you know what I'm saying yeah I feel like that that means I'm doing something wrong or I chose something wrong or I did something wrong or I'm not doing enough or I'm not doing certain things right like yeah so I feel sometimes a lot of shame about sadness so I don't share it as much as I like frustration I feel better about sharing it's it's easier for me to vent and like mm. I don't know call my parents and be like oh I'm so annoyed at this but they ask me how I'm doing, and if I'm not doing okay, I'm just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. Like, I'm not going to actually, I don't know. I, I just feel ashamed about not being good. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, oh, wait, people are not good all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's no true. For reasons that are their fault sometimes. Yeah. And even if it is, quote, unquote, their fault, which that's like the wrong word entirely anyway, it's like, that's fine you can still be sad like you You can can, yeah because like even if you made a mistake and that is the reason you're sad people make fucking mistakes like it happens yeah yeah literally (laughs) (laughs) literally life is just making mistakes in a row right (laughs) (laughs) and you can quote valentine santos on that this quote like it is good to be solitary because solitude is difficult and that thing is difficult must be even more of a reason for us to undertake it to love is good too for love is difficult 
for one person to care for another that is perhaps the most difficult thing required of us the utmost and final test the work for which all other work is but a preparation yeah let's talk about love love. i I mean the way he talks the way he talks love okay and it's honestly like kind of different from a lot the way a lot of people talk about love he also says about love in addition to that it is difficult and therefore it is good He qualifies the type of love he's talking about by saying, and this more human love, endlessly considerate and light and good and clear, consummated by holding close and letting go, will resemble that love that we so arduously prepare, the love that consists of two solitudes that protect, border, and greet each other. This idea of like two complete human beings being their own discrete universes that respond to each other and that response being love. I think that's so beautiful. No, I, it's this <laughs> to love is not about merging. It is a noble calling for the individual to ripen, mm-hmm. to differentiate, to become a world in oneself in response to another. That's so beautiful. That's what so beautiful. And I think I used to, okay, I think a lot about soulmates. And I have a dear friend, Lydia. Shout out, Lydia. It's okay if you're not listening. (laughs) Um, And we had this really long conversation one day. We were, like, walking home late at night from an art museum. Very romantic of us, I will say. And we were talking about soulmates and how, like, you... She said, I feel like you can have multiple soulmates, but only one at a time. Like, there's only one person that your soul can be, like, so deeply in conversation with at once. I think I kind of agree with her just because I think our capacity to deeply care about people is not as great as I frequently would like my own to be. And so it makes sense that like your amount of emotional investment that you can put into someone, one soulmate at a time, in addition to like other relationships feels reasonable. But I think soulmates kind of implies this like, or... Soulmates in the way that, like, Aristophanes talks about soulmates with, like, the two halves of humanity that want to join together in order to be complete again. Like, Rilke is really saying the opposite of that, that, like, soulmates are complete on their own. They just react to each other. And I think that, one, in my mind, grants the opportunity for more soulmates, more intimate connection with more people. And also is, like, way more forgiving of us as an individual. Like, we can be complete by ourselves and still love fiercely. Like, we don't need to be dependent on someone else. We are complete by ourselves. Yeah. And I think when Rilke talks about... Because he also talks about what young people think is love, but is, like, not mm. in a, the purest form Ooh, of love. Oh, we should talk about that also. like, they throw... Ugh, there's literally a quote about it. There is. I can find it if you want. Where he's like, Here young people err so often and so painfully... That they, who at their age find it hard to be patient, throw themselves at each other when love overcomes them, scatter themselves in tumultuous confusion. But how should it be? What is left to do with this tide of passionate feelings that they take for communion and that they would eagerly call their happiness in their future? Then each loses themselves and loses the other and many others who are still to come and loses the far off possible which, in fruitless perplexity, is traded for the sake of the immediate. Yeah. It's to me, like, is, does that read as hookup culture to you as well? Because that's what it yes, really reads just, us to it's, me. It's rushing into like, yeah. there's this connection. Let's just all in yeah. right now connect in this way. And there's no like, 
there's no acknowledgement of like i am me and you are you and we are here you kind of lose the fullness of the other it's, it's like just this sad frantic energy of like i must have this person right now and it's maybe not like i i don't know i don't want to speak for everyone but sometimes for me in the past it's like frequently not about that person you know yeah oh it's, it's like totally seeking about you it's absolutely 100%. yeah it's a completely self-serving it's the way he talks about he talks about sex a lot mm, in, yeah. in one of the letters where he's like sex is just like the same thing as eating a sweet fruit and enjoying it it's just like a sensory thing that we experience as humans yeah that we've perverted into a bunch of different things but really it's just like a way we experience being alive right and people kind of turn it into this thing that is actually i think ties into what we talked about dissociating really it's not really about being alive yeah and feeling it it's about it's certainly not about being to present not, to 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 avoid what it means to be alive to avoid everything else yeah and you lose the beauty of it because you're not present truly mm -hmm. connecting with another person you're and it's not about what's happening for the it. sake of like this is all I want to feel right now. Yeah. 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 And I I don't know. I have, like, complicated feelings about that, I feel like. Okay. I – hookup culture at this point in my life does not work for me. Like, it makes me sad. And, like, Esther Perel, <laughs> we talk about her, like, every episode, I feel like. But I want her to talk about hookup culture more because I think her idea of, like, ambiguous loss, I think that's kind of what I feel – in relation to hookup culture, like, it's, I think, to me, it's historically been a lot of disillusionment and also avoidance and, like, all of those things. And so, like, I fully agree with what you just said Rilke's saying, both in that I, I do think that is what he's saying, and also I agree with him that that is kind of true. And also, part of me, like, really wants to be okay with it. Like, part of me really wants like, the weight to be lifted off of sex, maybe for similar reasons that he's talking about, like, it's become something that is more than a sensory experience culturally. And so there's a lot of, like, shame and guilt tied into it. And I think that's definitely important. And I wish it didn't exist. And, like, I think that would make me feel better participating in hookup culture. Mm. I'm trying to, like, <laughs> I don't know. I think what I'm saying is that, like, I... I don't agree that it's inherently bad. It makes me sad for a lot of reasons and the people it makes happy, I'm not trying to like criticize them for anything and I don't know that I will ever get to a place in my life where I feel comfortable with it, but I'm glad that some people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think because we've built this dichotomy of like, sex that means nothing and sex that means everything there's no sex that means something but it doesn't have to mean everything you know yeah and also that sex that means something but not everything is a really hard conversation to navigate you know yeah. like, that's a big scary one to be like i care about you s some somewhat yeah. you're not my soulmate necessarily but yeah. like that whole thing of like like, it feels easy to be, like, sex with someone you love, sex with someone you don't care about, that, like, any in-between ground, which I'm going to be honest, I feel like for most people, most hookup culture lives there because we don't, like, know a lot of strangers, and you know? Like, <laughs> life isn't that extreme. Life like, isn't that extreme. Like, there's yeah. going to be a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray area. 
also we talked about this for a really long time Valen and I went on a little walk the other day this is like weeks ago about like how our generation is having less sex which honestly shocked me because I think we're like at the tail end of sexual liberation yeah we're like the most sex positive we've ever been yeah but I'm more I'm wondering if that sense of shame has just been oh my god I just had a realization okay say it (laughs) Okay, this is going to take a lot of work to explain, so we really do not have to let's, do this. But... Let's go. So you know what I was saying about how, like, with every expansion of civil liberties, there's been, like, a tightening of what is considered conventionally attractive. Mm-hmm. Like, every time people give more, gain more political power, there's some other form of hierarchy put in place in order to maintain power structures. So, for example, after women's suffrage women's beauty standards got increasingly thin in a way that was, like, borderline unhealthy. Like, I'm thinking about the 20s around that time. Um, Because people wanted to enforce power in a way that they no longer had the political means to do so. So there was, like, social power in beauty. Long conversation about this. Read the anti-diet. It's really interesting and also infuriating. But I'm wondering if we're doing the same thing with sex. Like, societally it's okay, like, there's a lot of sex positivity in our culture, and I'm wondering if the sense of shame has just been displaced somewhere else, and now it's around, like, feeling invested in the person you're having sex with Mm. as you participate in hookup culture, because we still feel like there's a right and there's a wrong when it comes to sex. It's not as though, like, everyone became sex positive and we're all like, and it's all okay now, you know, like, there's still a lot of, like, hierarchy when it comes to types of relationships and types of sex you're having there's a fear that sex won't mean anything and then there's a fear that sex will mean too much yeah and like generationally we're so anxious about everything we're having less sex and it's having bad impacts on everyone's mental health but i also i'm not gonna like i myself am not in a place where i'm like well i'm gonna have more sex then because i'm like i don't want to participate in hookup culture period (laughs) i don't know who knows if this will make it in because this is a big vulnerability hours but i've never had sex so it's like i've hooked up with people Mm -hmm. but i've never found it really fulfilling if there's no like emotional connection yeah it's way less fun yeah it's it's not i don't know not only is it way less fun like i don't think i've ever really had fun with anyone sexually tbh um so i i think i really do have that fear i think part of it is like a i fear a that it won't mean anything and that i'll just feel shittier after which has happened before or b that i'll be too invested and that i'm not the kind of person who can just casually be with someone because i i do kind of want an emotional connection so i feel like me not having sex is less about me not wanting to have sex because that's not true i do but it's like i don't know i just feel even though we are the most sex positive we've ever been and the most like sexually liberated as a culture for some reason that makes me feel more pressure yeah oh my god totally yeah then i'm like a i feel behind obviously which obviously i'm still pretty young but you are yeah. young, and also you're not alone in that boat. Like, a lot of people we're friends with, that's the case for. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm. It feels, especially because no. First of all, nobody talks about it. Yeah. And also, just like to enter. Uh, advice that I got a, get a lot from friends when I talk about this is like, oh, but it's not a big deal. Like, trust me. Like, when you do it, it's not. Like, as much as I hear that, and maybe it's just the way I've been socialized, it's like, I want to be able to just, like, swipe right on someone and then, like, give it a go. Yeah. But I feel so much pressure to, like, A, know what I'm doing, B, like, it's it feels like it's on me to enjoy it sometimes. Mm. And, like because i i think i'm having trouble putting it into words honestly i'm just that's so okay sorry. yeah that's fine yeah. it's complicated it's complicated <laughs> And I also find myself wanting to rush into love, I will say. Like, always, always. I have such a, like, instinct for it, you know? Where it's, like, emotional intimacy is so freaking easy, you know? And, like, (laughs) I don't know. I think his whole thing about, like, patience and letting things develop as they will is something that applies to not only sex, but also emotional intimacy, also love. Because it feels like rushing is in pursuit of something that you think should be as opposed to, like, letting things happen naturally. God, it's so hard to be patient. It's so hard to be patient. I I can't do it. That's something that I'm – I will say I am proud of myself, particularly in, like, in the idea of falling in love, that I've been patient. Like, I haven't really, like, forced someone into that. Or, like, been, like, I will make this person the person I will fall in love with. Or, this is an opportunity, like, let's fucking go. <laughs> I think I actually probably am the opposite. I'm, like, mm, tentative. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I, I think there are several reasons. I think there's a side of it that's, like, first of all, it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> like being that intimate with someone especially when you feel like you don't you've never done this before you don't know what you're doing Mm. that feeling and then I think also I think I put a lot of pressure on like who I choose or who I fall in love with or who I eventually am with as a reflection of me Mm. so sometimes I can be kind of mean like some like not out loud but in my head about people that I find myself into because like i'll talk myself out of it because like i'll judge i'll hyper judge them but really what i'm doing is i'm judging what i feel yeah i'm not judging them i'm judging the fact that i feel this way towards them but i don't know because i don't know really what love feels like i don't like i don't know if it's like oh no like if it were really love you wouldn't have felt that way whatever like because there's this language about love being like you never see it coming. It just comes at you. You can't help it. You have no control. But part of me is like, as years have gone by, like maybe I did have control and I said no a bunch of times. Mm. Yeah. Like stifled that instinct. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting that you bring up this whole culture we have around like, you'll know it when you feel it. Yeah. That Rilke talks about this and 
how we tend to like gatekeep in a weird way information about love and about grief like those are the two things we really do it with do you have a we quote have right now to find a way that was literally that, the was, so I was, that was so sexy oh, oh my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> when you said that, i was like i know it we have yet to find a way of approaching love as is the case with death as well we hold the approach to both of them concealed and pass it on without opening the gate without any soulful communal practices to help us walk in it's so true it's so true it doesn't make any fucking sense it's stuff that every single human experiences and we're not like hey this is what this feels like you might do this you might feel this it's normal hello we are all in this on this planet living this kind of life just has to fucking sit in it okay say something about it i do i know no we're not gonna talk about grief we're not gonna talk about love which i think grief and love are so tied together oh totally so related yeah kind of i think two sides of the same coin oh not even two sides of the same coin because they're I think like grief is just a they're like they're like two people holding hands yeah, <laughs> grief exactly. and love you feeling love guarantees grief you feeling grief is a sign that you felt love yeah. like that's how it works yeah but for some reason we're like we're not gonna we're just not gonna talk we're about not it gonna talk it's about it tense Okay, and honestly, like, I feel like I talk a big game about love. I don't know. I don't... Looking back on the experiences that I thought were love, all stuff, I don't know, because people have this weird gatekeepy language around love, where it's like, you'll know it when you feel it. And I'm like, I, th- I thought I did, but I'm, you know, in retrospect, not sure. I remember the first time I felt heartbreak. I was so distressed, and I called my mom. For context, my mom and I talk frequently and about a lot of stuff, but we'd never really talked about love or relationships before. Like, this is not something that comes up often in our conversation. I remember I called her that day and I was like crying and skipping class because I was like upset. And she told me this whole story about her feeling heartbreak when she was like about my age that I never heard before. Like, I'd never heard that my mom had felt heartbreak before in my life and like obviously Jennifer has lived many many lives but like of course she had but I never heard about it because like this isn't communal knowledge that we share culturally like it's not something we really talk about especially negative emotions like heartbreak and like I think I from a pretty young age knew the story of like how my parents met but like not how they realized they were falling in love not how anyone in my life realized they were falling in love with someone you know And I get that it's personal and I get that it's different for everyone. But, like, it's not something we communally talk about frequently. The way we're describing it is, like, it's just magic. Like, once you're at this location with this person and it's the right time and you're in this place of your life, it just, the universe just just pushes you together. But we never talk about, oh, I fucking felt this. What were your doubts? What were your thoughts? How did your world change? Like, no one talks about that. It's just, like, one second we met and the next second happily ever after baby yeah and like for most people it's a a process you know I like I I do kind of believe in love and first sight honestly but interesting I was just thinking about love at first sight. really I was thinking about how like is it real though but I want to hear about more how you believe in it I do I do kind of believe in it honestly like I I think it requires like a lot of openness and optimism and like a willingness to just like yes and I guess I I don't know I think I think I believe in love at first interaction 
maybe not at first sight because I think you do have to like have some knowledge of the other person like a tiny bit but I think think the first sight just puts a lot of pressure on like like beauty standards yeah yeah, yeah. so let's get rid of that but I think love at first interaction totally because I think if two people are like particularly optimistic about love and feel like they're at a place where they're like open to the same type of love that the person they're talking to is also open to then I think that there's like a type of vulnerability that can happen between two people I I do kind of believe that like first actuation first interaction you can be like sparks sparks yeah and I think that's that can be love and I I I guess it's all in framing you know like when you tell the story of how you met but also like I don't want to discount sparks I guess (laughs) I don't know man I haven't I have crushes all the time like I have like yeah, I always talk about like, oh, I have a person in every class. Like when I, like, every class, like you need to have a person in every class, you know, to make it to, to spice make it, it fun because love is so fun. Up. Yes, crushes are so fun. Been, Hot like, people are I've fun. Never ha- it's been a while since like an actual like crush. Like a oh we like, like a decimating crush. Like I think about them con like I stalk their Instagram all the time. Like <laughs> I when they come close, my heart starts beating super fast. Or like, like your I get stomach nervous. drops. Like my face gets red when they're Ugh. like I haven't felt that in a while. I don't know, lately I got so emotional the other day this week. I came out today, um, Taylor Taylor Swift's new version of all of Yes. I was about to say all too well because that's kind of because that's it. Wait, a big part, a big <laughs> good red. thing that happened to me today was Jake Gyllenhaal on Twitter. That was my favorite thing that happened. Wait, I did not see that. No, no, no he's not on Twitter, but oh, everyone yeah, yeah. is like <laughs> everyone roasting is, him. Jake Gyllenhaal, literally, <laughs> it's literally, so funny. Literally. Anyway, but, all too well came out. Um, the ten minute or version. Red, red Taylor's version came out, and yeah. the ten minute version of All Too Well came out, and it made me really emotional because that album meant a lot to me when I was like thirteen. And I, and I, I, I thought of this when you mentioned love at first sight and my reaction was like, whoa, like Maggie believes in love at first sight. Like really, that was what I thought. And like, <laughs> it's really <laughs> fucked up of you, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, I feel like I've grown so much more cynical towards it. Mm. And when I was little, I was so ro- like, I was such a romantic and I think mm. I, deep down really am and I've like really stifled that part of me because I don't know I just feel like as time passes and I don't feel that I get very bitter about it low-key I don't know I feel I feel like I had so much hope when I was younger that and I've lost so much of it and it makes me kind of sad mm yeah and I want to feel that again but it's gotten to the point where it like kind of hurts to hope that much for it oh yeah that that totally makes sense want to yeah but I do but I'm not gonna acknowledge that I do Mm. I think is where I'm at with like just love as a concept because it's like I don't know listening to solar power I said that I wanted to fall in love. <laughs> you I did say that. I, I I said that and I was shook by it because literally I had a conversation with my dear friend Sophia in New York where I was like, 
I don't need that right now. Like, mm. if I fall in love with someone now, that means I'll stay in Chicago forever and I won't take any opportunity that comes to me and I won't think of my career because I'm obsessed with this one person and that's just going to distract me, which is kind of facts a little bit. But like, also I think not. If I really fell in love with someone things will get way more complicated in terms of like making oh, major life decisions like, yeah for sure whether or not i still pursued career stuff which i'd like to believe i still would valen if i know anything me. about you i'm like 100 <laughs> percent sure that you still would yeah you i know? think i still would but yeah. it would just hurt a lot it would hurt it would take a lot of communication which yeah. I, we have said is painful and hard and scary and vulnerable because everything is hard as roca says is produced by Magdalena Delzel and Valen Marie Santos and edited by Valen Marie Santos. We come out with new episodes every Friday. Bye!